Hi everyone. Welcome back to TTT, the Talking Transport Transformation Podcast. Brought to you by Tumi, the Transformative Urban Mobility Initiative. Even though city officials and planners have introduced many safety precautions for road safety throughout the last decades, we still see way too many traffic fatalities on our roads. Worldwide, more than 1.3 million people are killed on roadways each year. Road injury is the principal cause of death for young people, especially in the global south. To understand this dilemma, we had the chance to talk to Viktor Zagreba from Ukraine, an expert in sustainable urban mobility, road safety, transport infrastructure and policies. Viktor is a road safety activist, was advisor to the Minister of Infrastructure and just recently founded his own mobility consulting company. My colleague Lena and Viktor discussed how the situation of road safety measures in Ukraine and in general looks like and what steps should be taken to improve safety for everybody. Let's listen in. Hi, Victor. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Tumi podcast. Uh, hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. So, Victor, your working life revolves around road safety. Why is this such an important topic? Uh, yes, that's true. I've, I've been in the road safety sector for probably almost 10 years by now. And it's like, uh, and I'm 37, so it's most part of my adult life. Why is it such an important topic? You know, I, uh, when I had the chance to study abroad, I completed a master's degree in the United States as a Fulbright scholar. And I picked road safety as the topic of my uh, master's thesis. And I was really frustrated and upset uh, more and more as reading books and studies on road safety. And the reason of my frustration was that almost all the deaths are preventable. So this is not, this is not like, you know, cancer or this is not like war where, where people must die. But in, in road safety, in traffic, in, in travel, in commute, people uh, do not have to die, but they die every day in my country and in other countries. And this is what made me feel angry a little bit, I would say. And this is what made me uh, act. And this is when I decided, this is why I decided to actually do something about road safety upon my return to Ukraine. So it's exactly right what you're saying. The World Health Organization um, says that there is more than 1.3 million fatalities on the world's roads each year. So that's quite a lot. And we know there's some universal rules to stick to, such as speed reduction or wearing a seatbelt to increase road safety. But why is it so hard to still lower these numbers and make our streets safer? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's really hard. Uh, it seems uh, it seems wrong, you know, because uh, if you know quite a lot about road safety, you understand that, and probably the listeners of, of your podcast, they know quite a lot about road safety. You understand that it's technically, it's quite easy to actually put down the number of fatalities. You just uh, start uh, putting down the risk factors such as speeding. Uh, you, you improve infrastructure. You make people wear seatbelts, right? Uh, but, but, but in Ukraine and in other countries, it's not happening that fast and that easy. And, uh, the answer to the question why, I think because it's not a technical problem. It's, it's a rather a social problem. So it's problem both, it's problem mostly in people's minds and how people perceive 
their, what they do every day, how people uh, behave, you know. Uh, and this is where the problem actually is. Like in Ukraine, Ukraine is an EU association country, right? We are just next door from the European Union still. Uh, we, we run a study every year of road, road safety, of safety belt wearing rate and, uh, three quarter of Ukrainian drivers do not wear seat belts. This is official statistical data that we collected. So still the vast majority of people do really rational things such as not wearing seat belts or speeding, uh, etc. And that's why it's not easy because it's psychological problem rather than technical problem. This is my view. And do you think that's due to a lack of information of the amount of fatalities and injuries that we're witnessing on roads each year? Or do you think um, it's sort of a feeling of it can't happen to me? Why do you think there is such a neglect of road safety rules? Uh, yeah, I think I think it's both. Uh, yes, poor education, really. Pe uh, people do not understand uh, risks, probably. People do not uh, measure risks, uh, Uh, how they should, right? Nobody, so everybody tries to believe this is not going to happen to me because I'm a good driver or because of some other reasons, because I do it like for the last 25 years and nothing like this ever happened to me. So why should it happen? Uh, yeah. And education, of course, is one of the answers and maybe the main answer, uh, because you need to like increase awareness. This is what the book says. Then people change their attitude about certain behavior. Then they change the behavior itself. This is the theory. And unfortunately, in Ukraine, we do see, for instance, Ukraine, we do see ch changes in legislation. We do see increasing penalties. We do uh, make infrastructure improvements, but a really effective and wide-scale awareness campaigns, no, not yet. And I think when we come to this point of really high quality information campaigns, then we probably be, will be able to really improve a, a lot. That's an interesting point you're making. I know that in within those 10 years of, of you working in the field of road safety, you've seen it from various perspectives. So you worked as an activist, but you've also worked as an advisor to the Minister of Infrastructure of Ukraine, and you're now owning a consulting firm on the issue of road safety. So since you've seen all these different perspectives, I'm wondering what level of impact were you able to achieve in these different roles? And how do you look on the question of doing this type of campaign from the different positions that you've been in? Hmm. Uh, well, yes, you are right. I've been, I've been in, all, in all of the, those shoes. Uh, maybe the, the last uh, position where I didn't try to work yet is at local municipality level. But probably I will do it also at some point. Uh, Yep, that's different roles and that's different impacts. Uh, being an activist and NGO representative is a, how to say, is a comfortable position <laughs> from my perspective now. Uh, it's like, it's quite easy to criticize. Uh, there are so many reasons to criticize, uh, especially in countries like Ukraine and other countries out of the EU, because so many things are being done wrong. Uh, especially in terms of infrastructure, right? In terms of government decision making. So it's a comfortable position. You always have a lot of arguments. You always have, uh, uh, this strong, uh, position, uh, 
but the impact is not really is not necessarily achieved by this because uh, because cr- criticizing is not usually a productive way of improving things but it's a good way to raise a problem it's a good way to to advocate some some particular solutions but uh, it's not a good way to build a long term impact uh, yep, you're right. Uh, at some point, I, I, I received an opportunity to join the Ministry of Infrastructure of Ukraine, and I took this opportunity. So I worked a year and a half, probably, inside the Ministry of Infrastructure, helping the government of Ukraine build stronger policies in the field of road safety. That was an absolutely different experience, right, <laughs> compared to NGO activism. Uh, uh, and... Yes, there is opportunity to have a big impact, like to change the legislation, for instance. But on the downside, it's, it takes so much longer time compared to some advocacy campaign, some, some activism action. Uh, it takes so much longer time and it has so many, how to say, pitfalls or some, so many uh, blocking points where when certain initiative or policy change can be stopped or delayed or or changed by somebody else so so it stopped being productive any longer so uh, yeah i think if somebody <laughs> has a, a longer time resource and longer energy resource probably the national government is the place to to join and to work to improve road safety now, uh, now I'm stick with consulting firm uh, because it's like it's something in the middle. Uh, we do achieve impact, and it's it's not that long term as as with national legislation, uh, and it is much more productive and much more measurable and tangible compared to being an activist. So we work with, like, for instance, municipalities that want to work with us, that value our knowledge, value our skills, and we develop, let's say, a concept for reorganization of, 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 of problematic intersection or street uh, or cycling master plan for a city. And uh, we are very happy when what we develop it gets implemented the next year. And it happens like all the time. And it, this is what keeps us motivated, this connection between our knowledge our actions and the actual changes in, in, in traffic and in people, uh, people lives. So let's go into that a bit deeper because with your advisory firm, you said you support cities and I know you also support them to work for a vision zero. Can you explain to our listeners what the vision zero is and how cities can act on it? <laughs> yes, Vision Zero became trendy phrase in Ukraine recently. I'm really happy about this because when we started our NGO, our NGO in Ukraine is called actually Vision Zero. <laughs> so we decided to keep it simple. And uh, Vision Zero, as you know, it's not somebody private, uh, copyrighted, uh, right, trademark or something like this. So everybody can use this uh, concept uh, in their countries. And we started using and promoting it in Ukraine. It became trendy now. So literally yesterday I spoke with journalists and they asked me almost the same question. Explain us Vision Zero. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we, w- when we asked uh, about this, we usually show the example of, of the website Decker Vision Zero, where you can track all the 
cities that achieved zero fatalities on the roads. And this is how we prove that this is actually possible, especially for smaller, small and medium-sized cities where, for instance, the city where we live, Ivano-Frankivsk, in western Ukraine, uh, with a population of 200,000 people, we have around 10 to 12 fatalities each year. And it's absolutely possible to bring it down to six, then bring it down to three, and then ultimately bring it down to zero. So, uh, yeah, this is how we explain the vision. And, but then we, it's, it, it's harder to explain the path, how to achieve it, right? Uh, and, and this is a, this is where we have a conflict of thinking in Ukraine, because still we quite a lot have, uh, this perception of, of blaming the victims, you know, uh, when like in each crash, there is a certain person who is, uh, guilty, right. Uh, who violated certain traffic rules and this perception, this blame the victim kind of thing, it still persists in the heads of, of decision makers of the police chiefs. Uh, and of journalists, uh, of like, uh, of the society in general. And that's why we, that's where we have a harder time to explain. No, guys, it's not productive to blame the people themselves. Let's, you, you as owners of the streets, uh, it's, you should take the responsibility. You should change the streets in a way that reduces the, the chance of, of crash and the severity of that crash. And this is what we are, where we are working with. Like when we consult the city, uh, we explain them. Yes, of course, each crash is, is a legal responsibility of a certain person, but uh, politically and strategically, it's your responsibility to reduce the number of those crashes in the future. And this is how you can do it. So yeah, this is more or less uh, how we explain Vision Zero and roads and safe system approach in Ukraine. Is there one, let's say, universal approach or one action that you would advise cities to take if they want to decrease road facilities, uh, road fatalities, sorry, um, on their streets? So is there like a policy measure or maybe an infrastructural measure, something where you say that's your first step that you should do as a city? Well, well, in Ukraine, at least uh, speed is number one risk factor, speeding, excessive speed. Uh, so almost everywhere at, at any, in, in any city, at any problematic location, uh, we look at speeding first. And uh, almost everywhere we see that speeding is a problem there. So uh, yes, usually the, the, the universal and starting point is do something to do something about speed. Uh, and actually cities understand this and citizens understand this. Unfortunately, the tools they're using is, are not the most efficient because the, almost all, the only tool that was used so far infrastructure tool is speed humps, you know. A very single model, single design, uh, the plastic speed humps that are being uh, put on the asphalt, you know, on the top of the asphalt, which is not always really the best solution. Uh, in most cases, it's not the best solution. So, unfortunately, at the national level, uh, new standards came up this year in Ukraine, which are called the traffic calming measures. And there, um, uh, there is a wide variety of traffic calming uh, solutions that are now became illegal 
and now became uh, recommended in Ukraine. So, so we educate cities that we work with about uh, those different options. That now speed humps is, is it's, it's not the it's not a good thing for the street. <laughs> Let's try to find something much better for you and something much long term and something that does not slow down buses and uh, fire trucks and emergencies, for instance. So we have to explain and educate uh, our clients quite a lot. This is a big part of our actual mission because we are not just a business to, to make money. We are a business to make an impact, to, to reduce fatalities, to improve mobility in cities. So, and education is a, is a big part of how we achieve this mission. In your experience working with cities uh, around the, the world, where can we find some good examples for road safety? Are there any best practices that you can share with our listeners? Uh, of course, of course, it's Germany. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, it's Germany and other countries. Uh, other countries. I mean, there is no. There would be no surprises. We look mostly at Germany, the Netherlands, uh, and Sweden probably, but mostly Germany and the Netherlands uh, as as the best examples of, of uh, road safety management uh, and road safety policies, and not. All, not only in terms of infrastructure, but also enforcement, right? Uh, also education, uh, uh, and mostly that, yeah. Because we as a company, we don't work with emergency response, with saving people after crashes. That's not our specialization. But education, infrastructure, and enforcement, uh, Germany and the Netherlands, this is where we look. Is there, if you were to take a, or to organize, let's say, a study trip with interested cities, is there one city in particular that you would take them to and show them certain measures? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, we did actually organize several study trips uh, for Ukrainian, uh, for Ukrainians, for people who work at municipalities responsible for traffic and transportation infrastructure. And you know what we did? Uh, this is actually. Uh, our, our own invention. The best thing to, to encourage people to, to do something is to show them another example in their own country. So uh, we took people from, let's say, central or eastern Ukrainian city, we took them to Ivano-Frankivsk, our city, and to Lviv. Yeah, Lviv is the biggest city in western Ukraine, and they are very advanced in terms of infrastructure, cycling infrastructure, public transport, and road safety. And they've been a partner of, of many GIZ projects over the last 15 years, probably. And they they have a really strong capacity and they have a really very, very good track record of, of doing the right things. Uh, so uh, we find it more productive to show them Lviv and to explain them to meet with local people, uh, engineers, decision makers, uh, rather than going to, uh, I don't know, the Netherlands or, or to Berlin or, or to Mannheim or, or other Western cities, because when somebody from a country like Ukraine goes to Germany, the perception is, well, of course, everything is really advanced here. Well, because it's other country, they have a lot of money, right? They have a different mentality, different legislation. So, so many explanations are, that are more like excuses, you know? <laughs> but if you are from one the same country, go to another city and you learn uh, how they implement things similar to Mannheim, uh, right? But in Lviv, uh, you cannot have those, those excuses because it's the same mentality, same legislation, same standards and same money, right? 
So that, that's when they start being really interested and curious. Okay, <laughs> explain us how you did it <laughs> because we want to do it uh, something like this in my city. Uh, so we are really big fans of bringing people for study trips either in, in other cities in their own country or to very kind of similar uh, geographies and similar, uh, similar circumstances, right? For instance, Poland is more relevant to Ukraine or, or Czech Republic or Serbia, something like this. And uh, yeah, and that's why we encourage, actually, we encourage people from other countries, like, I don't know, out of the EU to organize study trips to Ukraine and Poland, because Ukraine can actually be more encouraging uh, to somebody from, I don't know, from Belarus, Moldova, Georgia, Azerbaijan, for instance, right? Then Germany or the Netherlands. Because we are more on the same level with, with our neighbors in the East rather than on the West. So then for my last question today, let me ask you, if you had to give advice to our listeners who want to make an impact in increasing road safety, would you advise them to go work for the government, become a part of a powerful NGO, or like you did join an advisory firm or even um, found an advisory firm to further the issue of road safety? Wow. Uh, wow. Okay. So I would probably say that NGO could be the really good first step, right? Where to understand the topic, to understand the stakeholders and to, to form own vision and own strategy. And then from the NGO sector, it's quite easy to, to transfer, to shift either to local government or to the national government or maybe to actually consulting. So I would, I, I'm a big fan of, of NGOs in general. Uh, and I think they are, they should be the, the change agents, the, the leaders of, of policy changes in countries like us, uh, like Ukraine, like other countries in the transition and developing world. Uh, so yeah, I would, I would say go for an NGO. If there is no strong NGO to join, establish your own NGO <laughs> and start working as a, as a, as a, grassroots NGO without financing, without grants, just start doing something uh, in the third sector first. Thank you so much, Victor, for sharing uh, your vision and your experience, of course, from the sector of road safety with our listeners. I hope we encouraged a lot of people. Thank you so much for having me and for those excellent questions. Uh, by the way, you, you made me a hard time thinking, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's always our mission at Tumi. So hopefully we'll have a lot of uh, future activists coming up and joining some NGOs to help you in your mission. And uh, we hope to have you back on the podcast anytime soon. Yes, thank you very much for inviting me. And please, everybody, listeners, if you have any questions, connect, connect to me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I'll be happy to answer and to get to, to get to know you. We'll be sure to share your contact info. And uh, that's a great offer. Thank you so much, Victor. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Victor and Lena, for discussing this serious issue on road safety. We now understand where we are at in terms of road safety and what still has to change. We hope that leaders will take action to urgently achieve the Vision Zero and we are very happy to see ambitious experts like you, Victor, contributing to this. We hope you all enjoyed today's episodes. Hopefully together we inspire more citizens and decision makers to look at road safety issues in their community, to take potential actions and to stay safe. Feel free to like and share this episode to also spread the word. 
So thanks for tuning in and hear you next time.